0: Shameless Media.
1: This episode of The Shameless Book Club is brought to you by Audible, the home of storytelling. Download the Audible app and start listening today.
0: And welcome to the Shameless Book Club! This month we read The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donoghue. Rachel is a student working at a bookstore when she meets James and it's love at first sight. James soon invites Rachel to be his roommate and the two begin a friendship that changes the course of both of their lives forever. When Rachel falls in love with her married professor, Dr. Fred Byrne, James helps her devise a reading at their local bookstore with the goal that she might seduce him afterwards. But Fred has other desires. Guys, my name is Michelle Andrews. I am the co founder of Shameless Media. And for today's book review episode, I am joined by our marketing and partnerships director, Rhiannon Joyce. Hello, Rhi. Hi. Rhi's first book club episode, guys. Yay, Rhi! so excited. I'm so (laughs) excited to have you. So is that other giggling gal over there, our podcast producer and host of Everybody Has a Secret, Annabelle Lee. Hello, Annabelle. Hello. Giggling gal is like our version of Cackling (laughs) Jack, but also (laughs) listen to Hamish
2: and Andy. It's just clocked. I'm the giggling
0: gal of this show. Just the femme version of (laughs) Hamish and Andy. Ree, how's it feel to have your first episode?
1: Great. And I also feel like I'm in very good company already. The energy is high. The energy is high. And I think
0: you've come on for a banger of a book. Yeah, yeah I'm I quite say. happy
1: that this is my debut novel. Yeah. That I'm yeah. reading. <laughs> I have did not write this. I did not write this book God, it's my first time doing an episode and I think we have a good one. We
0: do. do. You've set me up for the perfect segue. Re right. did not write this book. Who did write this book, Annabelle Lee? Caroline O'Donoghue <laughs> wrote this book and I actually
2: feel a little bit embarrassed for not knowing a ton about Caroline because everybody in our office and also like everyone in the world loves the podcast Sentimental Garbage Mm -hmm. and I've only listened to a few episodes before but I remember really enjoying her insights and also similarly with this book that I, spoiler alert, also really enjoyed. Mm. I really liked the way she wrote dialogue and therefore it comes as no surprise <laughs> yeah. that she is actually a screenwriter for yeah. both TV and film. I
1: didn't know that. Yeah, it's
2: so interesting. And also, sorry, just another tidbit. This will also be becoming a TV show in, in
0: due time. No
2: rush, Caroline. Oh so
1: <laughs> epic. Bree, mm. you know Caroline from Sentimental Garbage as well, right? I do. I actually was first introduced to her by you because you recommended Sentimental Garbage on the podcast when yeah. it was, they were re-watching the sex in the city those series. episodes they are so are good, so good. Yeah. and she's amazing she just has such a lovely voice to listen to yeah. as well and she's yeah. very funny very maybe funny. it's like an irish thing she's a I big think pop culture fan it's not yeah. a surprise that we all yeah. love her she's
0: hugely into pop culture I, as well, knew her predominantly from the podcast and from some, like, other media stuff she's done. I was not aware that she's a New York Times bestselling author for her young adult debut fantasy series. It all started with the book All Our Hidden Gifts and then became a trilogy from there. She also wrote The Gifts That Bind Us and Every Gift Is a Curse. She also wrote a book in 2019 called "Promising Young Women," not to be confused with "Promising Young Woman," the movie that came out the year after. She would have been a bit pissed yeah, off about I that, surely. Be. And it
1: did so well. Yeah, surely you would also know before it's coming out, like you, yeah. you would get wind of that in the industry, small industry. Yeah. I would actually love to
0: chat to Caroline about how that happened because yeah. that's—I'd be pissed. Oh book. yeah, yeah. And you would think.
1: What a great title. Like, so original. Yeah. <laughs> well, they
0: probably got out on a technicality by, by yeah, replacing it true. with women. <laughs> women. Women. Anyway, I also loved to find out that the main character or one of the main characters in James in this book was heavily inspired by her real-life friend, Ryan. I Have you guys read seen that. this? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was mentioned in the acknowledgements. Yes.
2: And I also read in the Irish Times, Caroline talking about this kind of reflection of her own friendship with... James and Ryan. That did not make sense. You all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) She actually, though, tried to make it clear that it wasn't like a direct, Mm. you know, replica of that relationship. Yeah, it's inspired by,
0: not like a replica of. Yeah, Yeah.
2: so she said on this, The plot is totally fabricated. There's intense betrayals, illicit affairs, terrible secrets that my 20-year-old self could have never dreamed of. But the setting, the emotional truth how we lived Cork in 2010, that's all true. It's all there.
0: Yeah, even Ryan in real life was closeted for a time. Mm. She suspected he might be gay. He was insisting to people he wasn't. And it was a couple of years of them being friends before he called her in the middle of the night and came out to her. And she kind of was like lovely and then went back to sleep yeah <laughs> so I just find that so interesting and it doesn't surprise me either because this book felt so real so mm.
1: real the characters
0: I, w- I was reading them being like I believe every bit of dialogue I believe every interaction of course some of it was a bit sensationalist like you said Annabelle like the actual events Is it really the event? I mean the extortion was a little bit mm, But I still believed it because I believed the concrete layer of the characters and all of that. I was like, yes, I see everyone, I'm on board i love it
2: yeah well speaking about characters then please one of my favorite things about this book was the character standalone character of rachel and also standalone character of james but particularly Mm. how they were together Mm. as you were saying it was so specific in even like the jokes that they had between them it just is so reminiscent of like that tight-knit, super-ultra-close friendship of, like, living together, being in each other's pockets Mm. so much. Like, the joke that they had about Lady Gaga singing Bad Romance but with different words, (laughs) I found that so (laughs) funny. It's so specific. Like, I've never had that in any of my own friendships, but it felt familiar. And I just felt like the friendship that they had together was a huge part of why I liked the characters individually.
0: Same with the setting of being broke in your very early 20s, living in a house with no heating. In winter, it's iced cold. Like ice cold to the point where you have to be in the same bed to keep each other warm. In summer, it's ridden with ants. Mm. I just, I could be there. I was in that cork apartment or townhouse with them. Ree, let's really hone in on Rachel as a character. What did you think of her?
1: I thought she was a great narrator. At the start, I really struggled with her insecurities Mm. as a character and coming back to your point about being in your early 20s and not being able to relate to that. I actually could really relate to that, Mm. but I found it frustrating because there was so much of her that I I was like, you're annoying at times, (laughs) (laughs) but I still loved her. By the end, I felt I felt really sorry for her at different points because she was navigating so much. Getting more context about her home life and how she was navigating the difficulties of the recession at the time. Because this book is obviously set in 2010, I think it is. Overall, I did like her in the end. There were just moments where I found her a little bit annoying. Yeah, that's
2: really interesting. It's funny because I was, if anything, drawn to her insecurity, which maybe says a lot about me. I found her one of the most likable narrators that I've read in a long time. We've read a lot of kind of flawed narrators these past few months on this book club. And Rachel was one that I actually quite liked. I think it was her growth Mm. that maybe I was drawn to. Yeah, you could see that. Yeah, or even the fact that the book was written with hindsight. So she was thinking about her as a young person, then with the perspective of her now as someone who is like much more confident and has had all that experience behind her.
0: That was exactly what I enjoyed too. I actually think Her self-awareness to be a narrator in her 30s, looking back on this time in her life, was so deeply likable. I could see myself in both the young Rachel and the older version of herself. This passage on page 155, I think, really summed that up beautifully. It read, a sober woman would have explained what was going on. A sober woman would have explained about London and saving money, would have owned up about her inability to say no to James and the effervescence of gay-naissance. A sober woman would have asked Carey if he wanted to move with her but I was not a sober woman. I wasn't even a woman. I was a girl, a drunk girl in a tiny dress. And I was cold. I like, I've been both women. Mm. I've been
1: both women where I look back at shit I did at 2021. And I'm like, what was I doing? I think that's what was annoying for me when she was in those moments. I was like, why are you doing this? Like you're creating the problem. But I agree with you. I think that hindsight piece made her likable and made you made her very well-rounded and it was nice to see everything from her perspective. Yeah,
2: it's actually interesting because I've read some interviews where Caroline has said that she had kind of considered, I guess, writing it in present tense. But because she was writing this book during the pandemic, she thought it would be way too depressing, which is why she decided that hindsight would be the way ah, to tell I love the that. story. Yeah. I'm also
1: so over reading books that are set in COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Right?
0: I don't want to know about COVID. I don't want to talk about it. I want us to it. pretend it never <laughs> happened. <laughs> as yeah. we're talking about it. <laughs> Let's talk about James. The other main <laughs> character was James and he was complicated. I... Sometimes felt like I, as a heterosexual woman, couldn't judge James for the way he was behaving because I'll never understand that experience of being in the closet and then feeling like you have to come out to people, Mm. which is already something like as a concept that needs to really be deconstructed. But I I couldn't put myself in his shoes so I didn't feel like I could judge him so Mm. much. But maybe being non-judgmental about James allowed me to love him despite yeah. his flaws. Did you like him, Ray?
1: I loved him. <laughs> yeah, same. I thought he was the star for me. Yeah. I Every time he was the centre of back and forth with Rachel, first of all, their friendship dynamic is so beautiful. It was a really quick dialogue. I was always laughing, but he was a shining star for me. The reason why I loved him so much is I agree with you. I think he is layered in the sense of there are, he was very selfish and he was a bit of an opportunist and took moments – to serve himself yeah. but he was an incredibly loyal friend yeah, and there were a number of times throughout the book where he really proved that loyalty and really stood up for Rachel so the part I'm going to read is on page 96. Bear with me.
2: <laughs> oh my god you've got tabs in your
1: book that tabs. is so oh read. That is the most <laughs> on-brand thing for me <laughs> ever. It's my first time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So this is the part when they're having a bit of an argument about Dr. Ben not being very nice to Rachel and not acknowledging her throughout Mm. the school, like in class. So it starts, you've never been very nice to Rachel, Fred, James said, like he was mediating a divorce. I don't know if you've behaved sensitively. Here is something that I love about James. He lets people have their own connections. He will never try to convince you to feel differently about someone. He will not be the delivery boy for baggage from one person's relationship to another. However, when it comes down to fights between friends and lovers, he will put the friend first.
2: (gasps) I loved that passage. And it was also kind of near the end. Do you remember when Rachel was talking about their friendship now and that he is as loyal to other friends as he he is and has been to Rachel? And I get that that can also be a point of jealousy for Rachel. Mm. but. Like, the facts are that James is just a devoted, loyal friend to everybody.
0: Yeah. How did we feel? The one point that I felt really let down by James, which goes to goes away <laughs> to explaining how emotionally attached <laughs> I was with this book, was when he kind of betrayed Rachel and behind her back wasn't actually really planning on moving to London. Yeah. He was just planning oh, on yeah. doing his own thing and going to New York. That broke me I can't remember the other woman's name that he was moving with but when I she rocked up at that them. party Sabrina Sabrina, Sabrina. That's it, stab. Stab. when Sabrina was at that fucking party and yeah. then mm. Rachel had to figure out what was going on that broke my heart
2: that was definitely a low moment <laughs> but then from James's perspective Rachel was going through it and I guess he didn't want to pile on because at some points in your life you do have to be selfish and he had this opportunity and he took it, which can be hard to swallow from Rachel's perspective. But from James's,
1: I get it, slay. (laughs) I also saw that coming. So I felt like it didn't come as a surprise to me. Mm. It felt very James as well to do it.
0: It really, really did. I think one of the most likable things about James as well was how well he could read people and read situations and actually be quite fair and balanced throughout it all. Like his explanation Mm. for why he should be able to go to New York and not feel guilty about that when it came to class divides was really bang on. And he could convince me, like, I think James is the kind of character that could convince me of anything. I could see it and I could see how James would have the utmost compassion for Dr. Byrne, even when Dr. Mm. Byrne was behaving like a prick, which felt like a lot of the time. How did we feel about Dr. Mm-hmm. Byrne before I'm we so
2: wrap up characters? Great <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: sigui. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, we'll start with you. Um really struggled really struggled with him obviously there is the complexity of him being in the closet and obviously being with his wife Deanie it was hard because there were moments where I had a lot of empathy for him for Mm. that situation but what frustrated me with him in a lot of moments throughout the book when he was being called out for his bad behavior it took him too long to get there and to realize and apologize Mm. it's like you should have that perspective before you're getting abused by Rachel. And yeah. Th-
0: Why is a 20-year-old 20,
1: 20 exactly. telling you that you're behaving yeah. badly? Yeah. Yeah. And there was one part on, I think it was a hundred, page 174 or 75, and Rachel comes home and James and Dr. Byrne, she starts crying. She's about to fail her exams. Yeah. I'm going to read another passage, if that's okay. Me and Ree just swapping <laughs> passage right now. I will not be reading anything today, by the way.
0: <laughs> Annabelle's just vibing. Yeah.
1: So this is after they've just had a bit of an argument and Rachel's lost it over the fact that she's about to fail her degree because mm. she didn't do – her assignments are late – I'll just read it down. James says, Why are you so annoyed? You were fine with all of this when it was getting you jobs. Jobs, I screeched. Jobs, I had an internship. I worked my ass off at it for very few results. I was in your house less than three weeks ago. I saw you dance with Deanie in the kitchen. I'm her friend now and I care about her. It's not fair. No, he reasoned. He sat down on the couch. It's not. That moment for me was so frustrating because he knows he's doing the wrong thing. Mm. Rachel is so upset with him and it's only then that he realises he owes Rachel an apology. Mm. Like he's putting her in an impossible situation. Yeah. An impossible situation.
0: Yeah, I, I just think Fred as a character, was harder for me to visualize than the other ones, maybe. Especially, mm-hmm. I, this will sound odd, his bigness. Like, she was constantly referencing how, like, he was like a giant. Like, he was yeah. so big and his hands were so big and his feet were so big. I just, I couldn't <laughs> really see it in my head. Yeah. I imagine university professors to be small. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to, like, get my head around him. I didn't like him, but I thought, again, I will always be a sucker for a younger person university professor dynamic i will just always find that compelling and interesting
2: yeah i found it interesting that i was able to so easily fall in love with james who i couldn't really relate to at all Mm. but then similarly with dr byrne i couldn't relate to him at all but i really didn't like him Mm. like i couldn't find really a shred of
0: empathy no offense (laughs) yeah Especially, I actually don't think we got enough good stuff from no. Dr. Byrne. Yeah. He wasn't really positioned in a sexy way. He seemed kind of boring with his interests Victorian. He was being Victorian as well. Yeah. You don't
1: really see a lot from his perspective though. Yeah. So I wonder yeah. if that's because you're looking at him in the eyes of Rachel and James. With hindsight. Yes. Yeah. yeah, It was
2: the dinner party scene though that infuriated oh,
1: yeah.
0: me. I'm going to stop you there because <laughs> I want to really, really deep dive the dinner party yes. scene. I want to talk about what that did for the book, but we're going to do it after the break. Zara. We're both avid readers and the listeners know we love reviewing and recommending audiobooks and that's why we are so excited about today's sponsor, Audible.
1: Yeah, Mish, I have listened to audiobooks for years because it's such an easy way to consume content on the go. The hands-free nature of being able to listen to your favourite novel whilst being on the drive to work or at the gym is perfect for busy people.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. An audiobook that's been on my radar recently is The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a Hunger Games novel. The movie for this this one is actually coming out in a few months. So I really need to listen to the audiobook before I head to the cinema.
1: Yeah, you sure do. I know a lot of people choose to listen to an audiobook when they need to get through a novel really quickly. So if you're on a tight deadline for your book club or want to read a book before a movie adaptation comes out, Audible has you covered. I can say
0: from experience, being able to listen to an audiobook on 1.5 or even double speed (laughs) is a lifesaver when we need to read book club books really quickly as well.
1: Yes, Michelle loves pushing a deadline. love a cram. (laughs) If you are keen to listen to The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a Hunger Games novel, or want to check out more audiobooks, podcasts and Audible originals,
0: download the Audible app and start listening today. Thank you so much to Audible for making this episode of The Shameless Book Club possible. All right, Annabelle, you wanted to get there quickly. And I know we all really want to talk about this. Take me to the dinner party scene and all of your thoughts about it. Well,
2: I'm sorry to speak ill of those in a coma, (laughs) but this is fiction. (laughs) So I will say I found him so pathetic. Honestly, it just felt like at every turn in this book when something happened And like an option was presented to him. He just took it without really weighing up anything. So it seemed that Dini had just assumed that it was Rachel. And he was like, yeah, I guess it was Rachel. And like similarly in the past when Rachel wanted a job and she asked Dr. Byrne if Dini had a positioning, he didn't think how that would be so
0: like murky for his Mm. own, like keeping up with his own lies. And he was like, yeah, okay. Like, come on, man, just think. Are we being, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The only thing I wonder that the listeners might be thinking is are we not giving enough weight to the experience of being an older man who's grown up in conservative Ireland being married and also being bisexual? Like is that such a weight on his shoulders and is that shame, knowing how Ireland is culturally or was it this time, is that such an intense weight that he was simply suffocating underneath his own
1: stuff? I think so, but I can't forgive him. Yeah, There was so many times where he didn't, rise to the occasion, he didn't take accountability. And at the end of the day, as the older person in that relationship and the one who was actively doing the wrong thing, it was frustrating. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I guess it should have been wise for me to preface my rage before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) always been hindsight. (laughs)
0: Look, we're talking about the dinner party scene already. So I want us to go to strengths and weaknesses. One of my strengths was the dinner party scene. This was magical as far Mm. as storytelling goes for me. I was there. I was there in that room where Rachel is younger than everyone else. They're all essentially faculty members of the same university. Everyone's kind of side-eyeing her, being like, why is she here? Deanie doesn't say hello to her. She's noticing that Deanie's friends are checking in with Deanie to make sure she's okay. There's no seat for her at the table. <gasps> that kind cards. of a was so awkward. Oh. <laughs> A big chair as well, like you could
1: (laughs) feel the awkwardness.
0: That kind of, those kind of little plot points in a narrative, I just always read and I'm like, God, this author's clever because that would make me want to die. Mm -hmm. Seeing a table fill up and seeing that I'm not there and feeling like there's a lot of context that I'm missing out on as to why my chair's not there anymore. That was just such like a potent scene. I could see it all. I could see Deanny's friends gushing about her mashed potatoes when clearly it's not about the mashed potatoes. It's about the fact they all know that Deanny is really fucking struggling. And then the fact that Deanny leaves and then they have this exchange in her bedroom while Deanny's on the bed. I'm like, I'm there, I believe it, this is real. And Dr. Burner's just in the corner, yeah. looking oh, like so <laughs> meek. So <laughs> meek, like, come on.
2: I loved that scene as well, particularly the part where Rachel wanted to leave, mm. but knew she had to stay because it would be worse for her to leave. That was something that I wasn't even considering up until that point where she said that. I was like, just leave, just leave. But mm. then she laid it out
0: like that. And I was like, you're so right. That would be the, like, you'd be copping out. When she turned around and said, I need $2,000 or oh. 2,000 euro, sorry. I just had this moment where i'm like wow this book for me had a fair few loose ends early on i wasn't really sure where it was going the way those ends were knitted together in this one chapter Was one of, I reckon it's one of the best chapters of any novel I have read because every little bit just slotted into place. Where I was reading it being like, oh my God, like, of course she's pregnant. Of course she needs the money for the abortion. Of course Dr. Byrne is going to try and say that he had an affair with her and not with James. Of course, Deanie has looked back at all these receipts Mm. and connected these dots. Like, Everything was just perfect.
1: I loved that moment. I thought it was such a great opportunity for Rachel to take advantage of their ignorance because Mm. that was the thing I found so frustrating, Dr. Byrne and Dini. They were so ignorant to their privilege and so ignorant to how hard it was for Rachel to be navigating life in her 20s. She had no money doing this internship. So for her to turn around and be like, give me the money. Yes! I loved it. Yes!
2: (laughs) Back onto the um, tying all the ties together. It's probably a better way to say that. But Tying all the new sense, sense. yeah, yeah. yeah. that was such a strength for me in this book. There was yes. not a moment where I felt like that annoyed reader who finished closes the book and is like, well, I want more. like, But like in an annoyed way, like right. you did not tie anything together. Even little things like the fact that this book is titled The Rachel Incident. Yes! <laughs>
0: and, yeah. then th-
2: and then they ended up telling us that, you know, the whole affair was called The Rachel Incident. The whole book I was thinking, is this just describing her life like is the racial incident just her life but no even that tie was so satisfying. I
0: agree all right so we're obviously on strengths and weaknesses.
1: Ree, do you want to give us another strength do you want to bring a weakness to the table? I'm going to give you a weakness because we've touched on it lightly. The start of the book for me was a bit slow and what I really struggled with was the present time when Rachel the opening scene where Rachel was talking to the guy in the bar, I was like, what is going on? Yes. Like, I didn't understand. And then obviously we came full circle at the end and mm. I was like, okay, I fully get this whole picture now, but I found it a little bit slow to start.
0: I 100% wholeheartedly agree. I actually quite struggled with the first 30 pages in particular. It wasn't until I swapped over to audiobook that I really flew through the first half. I found the narrator of this audiobook, she is Irish. She has the most beautiful voice. The way she kind of gave life to the first few pages or first few chapters rather really, really helped me. But I was worried. Mm. Like I read the first few chapters in the physical book and was like, oh God, I'm not finding myself gripped mm. by this. I'm not finding it sticky. I thought the toy show stuff, although I, I'm probably not the target audience for it. So I need to preface that up front. I'm Australian. I've never heard of that toy show concept. It was boring. Yeah, to it me. lost me as well. It was yeah. really boring. And I found the the character going into the pregnant married woman who's at this toy show as a 29 year old not pregnant woman who's never heard of the toy show, I didn't find that grippy. I kind of wish she opened with one of those like gorgeously written 20s moments that were littered throughout this book because that's where the real magic was for me. I could really see that experience. But saying that, my sister Claire, who has two babies, has been pregnant. She didn't find the start of this book boring at all. Interesting. So she actually flew through it. Claire adored this book. And so I think that's really interesting that maybe it just was harder for me to relate to the opening. Did you struggle with the opening, Annabelle?
2: Yeah, I did. I found – well, usually I find that I like when a book kind of drops you randomly at a point in time and then you have to figure out by time jumping forward and back, like, what's Mm. going on. But I felt like this was too random Mm. and I needed way more context to actually understand what the hell was going on. It
0: didn't feel – like the rest of the book no yeah. it didn't like the the rachel i read in the first chapter didn't even feel like the rachel no, i read in later the chapters thing. i
1: felt like she had accomplished so much and was really successful and the first chapters like first chapter did not encapsulate that yes yeah. i was like you're really selling yourself <laughs> yeah. i
0: agree i didn't get any of the like wit or humor or like grippiness that i got from rachel even when she had had the baby and was married to mm. carrie later mm. on It just felt out of place. I'm just so glad it picked back up because, honestly, the first couple of chapters made me slightly concerned. For me, it was actually the first half of the book I struggled with. I was talking to you about this yesterday,
2: Mish, when I was halfway. I really smashed out the second half in, like, a day. Yeah which goes to show just how much I enjoyed the second half. But the first half it was actually a little bit of a slog for me, yeah. but it might just have something to do with the fact that I did try and cram this book into two days. It happens. It happens. To me. You read
1: it on holiday. I read it on holiday, mm. which is the perfect setting for this book. Yeah. I mean, it's the perfect setting for any book. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I, yeah, I really flew through it once I got past, probably page 45, 50. Once the mm. incident happened and James and Dr. Byrne were making out in the <laughs> storeroom, I was like, oh, we're on here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and <laughs> <on>. saucy. Yes.
0: <laughs> Great. All right. So that's one weakness I think we all agree on. What is a, another weakness or a strength that you have, Annabelle? Interestingly,
2: I think it was only the pacing for me for the first half that was a weakness. When I came to preparing for this episode, I thought I was going to have a lot more weaknesses simply yep. because of the mindset I was in. Because that's usually the case as well. When I start researching, I realise that there are things that I didn't quite things that didn't quite sit well Mm. with me as a reader. But now thinking back to my experience, I actually did enjoy it. So I will give you a strength. Yes, great. I loved the way Caroline wrote about what it means to be an Irish woman. So many of the experiences she laid out so beautifully and clearly. She actually told NPR this. It's a long one, so bear with me. Ooh, she's, she's got a passage yeah. for us. A passage not <laughs> about for time, yeah. <laughs> It's about time, Annabelle. It's about She said, I do think that we grew up in this way where we had all the Western culture that, you know, everybody else had. The Paris Hilton and all the sex tapes. And we were emerging from a society that was so, so sexually conservative. And it's almost like how every single horror movie in the 1950s was about aliens because everybody was afraid of communism. Irish women recounting their lives. It's almost like a millennial horror story of this is how it feels. This is how contradictory it actually feels to be a woman. But for Irish women, it's far more literal. And you could Mm. see that so clearly in the character of Rachel. Mm. There was so much that was butting heads
0: in like her her sex life and like what happens later on in the story Mm. it all just made sense i found early on i found the mentions of the repeal and abortion stuff i found that to be really random but it made so much more
1: sense yeah yeah it came together at the end i thought she did that incredibly well it it was obviously political but it didn't feel like it dominated the storyline i it it was done really yeah yeah well i have another strength
0: Just a really, this is like a very, very quick one. I just find little bits like this in books to be really strong. And I always love when, I don't know, just the vulnerabilities of characters can stand out and shine so clearly. This passage. When I first met you, Deanie said, with that stupid carry on about how the shop wanted to put on the launch for his awful book, I knew something was up. It didn't make any sense. And then when I actually saw you, she allowed herself a dry cackle. I thought... Oh God, how silly. She's just a chubby student with a crush. Of all the things Deanie Harrington said last night, this is the line that I would come back to the most. On my worst days, on my bad dates, on the job interviews that didn't quite work out the way they should. Just a chubby student with a crush. (laughs) Like <laughs> That broke me. That makes that, me mad. It yeah. makes me mad and it, it's so true. Like, of course, you would grip to that. Of course, that's the line that you would tell yourself in every bad moment. I think we've all got those lines or those, we play these things on a loop to ourselves. Even when they are kind of materialistic or surface level or appearance based, that's what we remember. Mm. And I love when characters have moments like that because it's like, yes, that is true. That is accurate. That is real.
2: It also said a lot about Deanie and the kind of person Deanie was that she comes across so
0: lovely so, and sweet. so sweet but she has this like brutal side to her but you know what if my husband if I thought my husband was fucking someone yeah, else you I think you'd you get a green light to, sure. to dig that knife yeah, yeah
2: for sure but I think it's a low blow yeah <laughs>
0: sorry oh, for sure <laughs> for sure I'm not absolving her of all guilt I'm just saying Relatable. Again, <laughs> I I can imagine going low when I feel like I've been betrayed yeah. to that level. I also loved that we could see both sides, that Deanie thought she was being really generous with that $50 or €50 euro a week internship. She saw it as being, wow, I'm the only one in the industry giving this girl an opportunity. Rachel saw it as manipulation and being taken advantage of. Little things like that were another strength. I have a question for you guys. She does get back together with James Carey in the end and he does end up being her husband. Did we like that? Did we hate it? Did we feel in between?
2: Loved it, loved (laughs) it. I, for some reason, felt so strongly about their relationship. I was living for Carey and Rachel. Yeah. I think especially because it ended in a happy ending and I think it was like their relationship was the perfect example of like the timing was wrong. I felt like they were giving... Connell and Marianne from Normal People oh, and yeah. the communication was so off Yeah, and there were things that definitely could have been much easier if they just communicated a bit better and there were definitely moments, especially from Carrie, where he came across like pathetic. a real douche yeah. a
1: bit of a fuckboy
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, but also I think it's maybe a perspective thing too like maybe we were just hearing it from Rachel's side and we weren't getting the full picture but like who's to know mm. I just felt like it was kind of beautiful having them rekindle years and years later and clearing it all up Yeah, Ray,
1: did you like it? Yes, in the end I did. I was pretty I was unsure of Kerry at the start, but I think their relationship a lot of people in their early twenties could Mm. relate to that dynamic. Mm. And honestly, they both didn't really do anything that bad. Yeah. So I didn't have a problem with them getting together at the end and I ended up really liking Kerry towards the end because Mm. you saw how family orientated he was. Mm. He was quite selfless as a person in the end. Yeah. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with that.
0: I also think it showed character development really well. Some yeah. books, I feel like characters are flawed and they stay flawed and you finish the book and you're like, wow, that woman learned nothing. There was, a, I can't remember what book it was earlier this year, but I, I felt that way with one of the books we read earlier this year about a young woman. Whereas this book, you could see people grow up and you could see people learn from their mistakes. And there was something wholly, like, uplifting and beautiful about that. And these two getting back together in their 30s, it felt right. Like, I I didn't, I wasn't, like, overjoyed when they got back together. I think I was a little bit cynical, but it felt like a happy note that we needed to finish the book on. One final point I want to come to before we get to ratings I loved the messy nature of Deanie and Dr. Byrne's relationship at the very end. I loved the fact, well, I mean, I didn't love the fact that he was unwell, obviously, but I loved the messiness of her being his carer and still staying married to him and having no plans to divorce him, but being in love with the guy that she cheated on him with, I thought that was an added layer of complexity and intrigue that just felt right again. I don't think it's uncommon and I'm
2: not really speaking from personal experience (laughs) I don't know but I don't think it's uncommon for people especially later in life or when or when one of the people Mm. in a relationship is like has fallen ill or has some sort of illness Mm. for the other person to go on and have their own romantic thing on the side. Mm. Again I actually have no reference to this in my personal life but it sounds like kind of fair enough. Like,
1: Was he a colleague as well?
0: I think he was. I think he was. See that was a
1: added layer of messiness because he
0: was, he was at the dinner party he yeah. was
1: and I'm pretty sure he also had children and yeah. they obviously had a really difficult um, time trying to conceive and mm. infertility was a huge theme but in their relationships so those two things for me I was like well fair enough it yeah. all comes out in the it wash does. kind of yeah. thing it's like
0: I, I think this book really tackled well that you don't have to be perfectly moralistic things can kind of there's a lot of gray
1: area I love that with all the characters, though. Yeah. They all had a bit of grey. And it's so rare in a book where you feel like you can love and hate everyone. And yes. then ultimately, at the end, be like, I understand why you were that way.
0: Yes, I agree. That takes us to Ratings. Brianne and Joyce, your first book club episode, we're going to start with you. An honour. <laughs> You've I really s- loved having you here. You smashed it, by the way. Oh, thanks. I, <laughs> I give your performance a five out of five. <laughs> All
1: right, what do you give The Rachel Incident out of five? I give it a four. Yep. And I'm deducting one point off because of the start. Yep. I find any time I pick up a book and I feel it's a bit of a slog at the beginning, Overall, I can't give it a five.
0: Yeah. But God, it was a strong comeback at it the It was
1: marvellous. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Annabelle?
2: I'd say a strong four too. Yeah. For the exact same reasons, but I'm trying to think of another note to <laughs> Just separate to
0: myself from Rhi. I copy Rhi.
2: <laughs> it is kind of annoying though when it is a an opening that falls flat and then the moment you realise this is picking up this is actually really good and then you wish you could go back and reread the start but it's just a waste
0: of time and it's like oh what am I doing (laughs) that was the note that I decided to add yeah 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 okay good note (laughs) I think that added depth to the episode (laughs) thank Thank you you. Annabelle Uh, my rating I've got to give it a 4.5 guys it would have been interesting if I had stuck with the physical book instead of moving over to audiobook so quickly audiobook made it really enjoyable the whole way through so maybe that's where my added 0.5 has come in if you guys have struggled with the start, listen to it on audiobook. Yeah. It's great. Or 4. just push 5. through. Just don't push give through. Up. Yeah, yeah. don't give up.
1: This is one yeah. of those books
0: where it's like, it'll be worth it. And I it's I don't not care too how much firing. you don't
1: like the intro. It's only- Fifty or so pages, or Annabelle, you at least. Guys, what
0: a book! Thank you for joining me. Next month on the Shameless Book Club, we are reading *The List* by Yomi Adekake. Guys, this was an instant Sunday Times best-selling debut novel. It follows Ola, a high-profile journalist who is marrying the love of her life in just a month's Time. Young, beautiful, successful, she and her fiance Michael seem to have it all. That is, until one morning when they both wake up to the same message. Oh my God, have you seen the list? We cannot wait to read that one. But for now, guys, thank you for joining me on the episode. Ree's already taking off her headphones. She's out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I've got
1: stuff to do. <laughs> I'm kidding.
2: I was so happy to be here. Yay. Thank you, Rhi. Thank you, Mish. And thank you, listeners. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>